You're listening to Cine Binge. Welcome to Cine Binge. This show was born from my friend's persistence in me watching certain shows. I've been asking Simon to watch Dark, a German TV show on Netflix, which I guarantee he will like. But for some reason, he's always been a little apprehensive about watching it. So I said, I'll watch it if we can put a podcast around it. And this is that podcast. Welcome to Cine Binge. My name's Simon and I'm joined by Andrew. This is the show where we watch TV shows that one of us have seen and the other hasn't. We got the first podcast out last week. It went quite well. I'm actually surprised it got out there so quick. So it's available on Spotify and iTunes. We're on episode two. I've got no idea what's going on. That's where Andrew's going to come in. Enjoy the show. So let's set some ground rules then. Every episode we are going to be talking about what's going on. Simon's going to theorize a little bit about what's happening, what he thinks might be happening. And we're definitely not going to be talking about anything that's happened in future episodes. So as long as you've seen episode two, then this podcast will be fine to listen to. So episode two is called Lies. Uh, given the first episode was called Secrets, now we have the lies. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first episode? I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, considering not a lot of stuff happened, but we'll get into that. I'm enjoying the tone and the pace of the show. Love how it looks. It's starting to get me intrigued and it's starting to get me more intrigued and more invested but i'm not fully invested just yet that's fair enough i mean this episode is probably i'd say the weakest one of this season uh for this that very reason it takes a little bit of time to get going it's still introducing some of the characters and still throwing out a lot of questions but uh, i think the audience should be made aware uh, that you have a confession a secret of your own that you want to reveal a secret of my own yes. i am very worried about this this is not on script what is this shit <laughs> <laughs> i knew that would throw you yeah so after we spoke in the last episode about why you should definitely avoid the dubbed version and only watch the subtitled version with the german original audio simon what happened i have, I have a confession to make my very good friend brian clark shout out urban engineering he said, I've got to watch it dubbed because he said, if you miss anything, it's going to spoil the show for you. So I thought as much as it pains me, because I do love to hear the original uh, performance and it's it's so important to link those two together. I thought I'm just going to try it. And you know what? It was such it was so more enjoyable than reading it at first it was a bit grating because you see the lips don't quite sync with what's going on but in fairness they do a very good job on the timing and stuff but you could clearly see that it wasn't the original uh, performances but the actors are really good who did the uh, the voiceovers so it wasn't that much of a problem just don't judge me andrew yeah, I think ultimately it's personal preference. My preference is all the original audio, uh, but really it's whichever way you enjoy the show. That's the important thing here is that you enjoy what you're watching and can follow along with it. So if the English audio dubbed version is helps you with, with that, then that's fine. Uh, so should we talk about the actual episode and what happened in it? Yeah, let's get into it. Well, this episode starts with a stranger appearing out of the cave and... 
picks up a dead bird and in the distance you can see that there's clearly some sort of search party looking for Mikkel. I guess we start there with the, the stranger. Yeah, and considering there's a lot of people looking for someone, he doesn't try and like hide. He's just, oh yeah, there's a load of people there. Just He doesn't seem to move tracks fast or anything like that. So he's very elusive, this guy, who I'm calling Mr. Dark, by the way, because he looks a bit scary and he looks a sinister character. He certainly seems a bit suspicious, I would say. And I also find it quite interesting that he has turned up out of the blue just after a child has disappeared. So again, immediately I'm kind of thinking, okay, is he connected to the disappearance in some way? It's interesting how in the last episode they talked about things repeating and so on. And a bit like when the power plant boss, Alexander Tiedemann, talks about turning up in Wyndon 33 years ago, which coincidentally would have been around the time that Mads disappeared. Uh, And now here we are again, a new stranger in town, just as a child has disappeared. This cave or this hole, whatever it is, seems to be some sort of portal. I'm intrigued by what that is, because he's not the only person who comes out of that in this episode. And we also see the caves feature when Ulrich is out looking for his son, Mikkel, and searches the caves, discovers a door which appears to be sealed. He bangs on it, tries to see if Mikkel is on the other side. He gets no response. But the door itself has the symbol of, well, it seems to indicate that it's linked to the nuclear plant. So presumably whatever's on the other side of that door is within the nuclear plant facilities. That leads to Ulrich wanting to investigate the nuclear plant at some point in this episode as well. Yeah, and it's not very clear like how far into this cave that door is. You know, so we don't know what the geography is of the cave. It could be huge. It could be under the the whole village or we just don't know. And I think it does that deliberately. I'd agree. I think uh, it is unknown, I guess, how just how big this cave network is, whether it's quite a small cave network or large and sprawling with lots of different corridors to get lost down. Uh, So it could well be that he just happened to follow the wrong point the wrong turn and somewhere in that cave Mikkel is waiting for him and then we're back in Jonas's bedroom he appears to have had a bad dream Uh, he wakes up starts to hear noises and stuff coming out of his ears and then he turns the mirror and you see his dad in the background again never a good thing this was definitely like inception yes because it turned out that the vision of his dad is actually a dream itself and it only he wakes up from that dream so a dream within a dream it threw me that as well because at first thought, oh my god and then yeah he woke up and then he woke up that's going to be the end of the show it was all a dream <laughs> it's uh very bad writing when that happens and then he woke up and it was all a dream they get that one in there early a good way to get it out of their system and then that's that's it. I mean, that's before the the credits roll. And when we start up again, we're um, with Charlotte looking at the. I guess it's the morgue, and they're doing a autopsy to see what the kid died of. You know, the guy that they found in the first episode with the burnt out eyes. They're now looking. They're doing uh, tests to see what what caused his death. Uh, some interesting points that they raise around. Oh, I forget what were they, what were they called? The bits, the things in the ear that lead to balance. I don't know what they were, but they said he wasn't abused and these things were... Not where they should be. Not where they, yeah, that they weren't where they should be. These these, mm. these things that are in people's ears, they weren't where they should be. We're not doctors, Andrew. We don't know what these things are called. We'll just call them things. The thing, the midichlorians. <laughs> oh the midichlorians weren't where they should be. 
And next we see Peter Doppler, the psychiatrist from the first episode, crying in his car uh, while listening to a news report of the missing children. Which makes me think he's responsible for it because you don't just cry when you hear the news unless it's like something catastrophic, like really, really bad. But it was as if he was either remembering something or he's responsible for something recent. And why would he be sat in a car? Which makes me think he's done something recently and he's regretful about it. Well, that would certainly tie in with what happened in the first episode where he wanted to talk to his wife about something. Um, So clearly something is playing on his mind at the moment and he's a very emotional chap. Um, So yeah, there's there's something odd going on there that we don't know about yet. I like him though. He seems an interesting character. Like even though he's crying and we think he might have done something bad, he seems quite an an empathetic character. Well, you would hope that from a psychiatrist, wouldn't you? You imagine a psychiatrist who isn't empathetic. You want to meet mine? I don't have a psychiatrist. Andrew's my psychiatrist. Actually, that's how we met. <laughs> yes. This is costing me a fortune. <laughs> yeah, it helps to talk about it. Yeah, he seems he's regretful. He's remorseful. He's done something, and fairly recently as well, I think, because he's he's listening to the news and he just he had this guilty vibe about him either that or he's remembering something from his past and he's got bad memories perhaps he's remembering what happened back 33 years ago when mads disappeared yeah we just don't know at this stage who is mads because you've referenced him a few times now and i'm like i am not (laughs) knowledgeable but is that being referenced already mads is ulrich's brother the one who had disappeared 33 years ago they mentioned obviously Ulrich mentions him, Ulrich's parents mention him in this episode when Jana's talking to Ulrich's dad and saying, you know, it's just like when Mads disappeared. So, yeah, it's he's mentioned a few times. History is repeating itself. It does appear to be, yes, and in what way we don't yet know. How, how devastating must it be for Ulrich right now, losing your younger brother when you were a kid and now, you know, 33 years later you're losing your own child and how would the grandparents be thinking right now because they lost their boy 33 years ago and now their grandson is disappearing so whatever happening is it really tightly tied to just their family you know it seems to be i say that but then we also know that eric oberman's disappeared recently as well so it doesn't seem like it's specific to just their family some sort of Mm. curse you know around their family if it wasn't for the fact that eric oberman had previously disappeared earlier on then yeah you'd be looking at it and going oh there's some sort of family curse going on there but as it stands we don't necessarily think that's just relevant except just bad timing but you know unfortunate coincidences there's definitely some funny business going on that's for sure Uh, particularly what makes it worse is that you've got Ulrich's dad uh, who we I think they mentioned in episode one, but this is the first time that we see him. And the first thing we see him doing is acting very suspiciously. He has something on his sleeve, which he tries to wipe off. I don't know if it's blood or dirt or something. And he tries to wipe his sleeve off and then throws it in the wash. And then his wife comes in and asks questions, you know, like, where were you last night? And Oh, I couldn't sleep. So I went to the garden, um, did some gardening. Uh, yeah, but your car wasn't there. I was like, yeah, well, I had to go to the shop to get some rope. And it's like, that just... That I don't think my missus would believe me if I was saying that. So Yeah, I'm going out. I couldn't sleep, so I'm going to go and mow the lawn is not one of the best excuses I've ever heard. And the whole thing, putting a jumper in the in the wash that looked like it was bloodstained or something was on it. There was something that was just wasn't quite right with that, I'm afraid. 
yeah, again, I, get, I think this episode is lining up all the possible bad guys, like a kind of uh, TV drama serial where they throw in loads of murder suspects and you've got to try and figure out who the guilty culprit is. I think that's what they've done with the first two episodes here. You know, already we've got, since episode one, you've got Peter Doppler crying in the car, you've got Ulrich's dad, you've got Helga, the old guy from the care home, talking about things happening again. I guess we can't rule out any of the adults that we've seen so far. Ulrich could Exactly. Exactly. Ulrich could be involved in some way. It could be someone in the police station. It's 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 kind of at this stage, it feels just like a procedural drama, really, doesn't it? I think it comes across as kind of been a kidnapping. And now we're trying to figure out who it is that's done it, whether that's an individual or whether there's kind of more to it than that. Maybe there's a group of people operating in the area. Yeah, we just don't know. Obviously, the strangers turned up in this episode. Are they responsible? So they're throwing a few people out there. You've also got the the guy who works, the, the power plant boss, Alexander Tiedemann. He's doesn't seem like a very pleasant chap asking Jürgen Oberman, Eric's dad, to do some sort of job to clean something up, to get rid of something. And Jürgen's not keen because he wants, uh, he thinks the police are keeping an eye on him, which is not surprising, really. You know, police would obviously, if a child went missing, they would be paying quite close attention to family members. That tends to be one of their first... Definitely. Um, one of their first port of calls. There's something definitely going on with... Um... The, what's that character? That character's name again? Alexander Tiedemann, the PowerPoint plant boss owner. I don't trust him. I don't trust a lot of them, but as we said, it's setting up a lot of red herrings as well to throw you completely off what's going on. It is typical kind of procedural drama, isn't it? You you set up a load of villains and you've got to try and guess who done it. And I yeah. think that's really what this is going for. The first two episodes is very heavily that, but plus a bunch of other questions around generally what the hell is going on just answer yes or no god i sound like a journalist is dark a whodunit no it's a when done it uh what else have we seen in this episode then so we've met Ulrich's dad who looks a bit suspicious uh we also see another hooded figure come out of the cave we don't know if that's the same guy that we saw earlier who's just revisited the cave uh or whether it's a completely new character we just don't know at this stage. We also see a stranger, or Mr. Dark, as you've christened him, uh, going to the local hotel. Regina Tiedemann is very happy to see a guest come and stay at the hotel because, uh, as we found out in the first episode, the hotel seems to be struggling financially. I, I don't quite get why you would, as a guest, be turning up out of the blue like that in a hotel without you know, pre-booking. Surely you would have got a better discount if you had done that in advance. And if he has time-travelled, then... And he's only just time traveled or he's come from that cave or whatever. How's he got money to pay for the hotel? That's a good question. Yes. Does he have money? Did we see him pay for it? And the lady, I presume she's the owner of the hotel that's working at the behind the desk. You know, she, she doesn't ask him many questions like, uh, where have you been? Why do you, why are you dressed? Like you've just killed someone. <laughs> Yeah, you know, a stranger turns up on a few days after the, a child disappears. You're going to be wondering what's going on there. You know, is he a journalist in town covering the story? Is he helping with the search? I think you'd be asking more questions than she did, that's for sure. Unless he isn't a stranger to her and she knows him already. Mm. And staying with the hotel then, I guess uh, stranger goes to his room. He has 
room eight. The camera does seem to linger on that door to make sure we are very much aware that it is room eight. Is that significant? But certainly what's what happens inside the room, I think, is probably significant because we see that he has a lot of notes and drawings and pictures on the wall. We have a, a book that appears to be about time, which I guess is going to be quite relevant here because the show does seem to be kind of firming up. Yes, this show is about time in this episode. Whereas in the first episode, I was kind of on the fence. Is it about time? Is it about just like a repeating curse that happens every 33 years? But I think now we're starting to get to a point where, yeah, I think it's fairly clear that we're we're dealing with time here. My question, and you don't have to answer it, but I'd like you to... (laughs) Is it based between just the 80s and 2019 when it's set? Or are we looking at many, many different time zones in this TV series? You're not going to answer that, are you? I'm not going to answer that because I think that would give too much away later. Okay. Having watched episode one again and again and again, I think the quotes that they introduced right at the very start of episode one in hindsight, does actually give the game away quite clearly that this is all about time. It isn't just like random curse. You know, it isn't just the curse of a family happening every 33 years in that town because the town is cursed. It is clearly something related to time. And I think episode one, when on repeated viewing, if you're paying attention to the quotes at the start, it does actually kind of say that up front. It wasn't until this episode where I kind of realized that that's what they were getting at. So is this a show where you're watching it when you're re-watching it, you go, it was so obvious. I can't believe I didn't pick up that that was the thing that is the main like thing. Or, you know, like in how, spoiler alert for Fight Club, how Fight Club is so, when you watch it the second time, it's obvious what's going on or the sixth sense. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, when you re-watch it, you go, how did I not pick up on that? This is the sort of show where I think you could easily do a podcast around this watching all three seasons and then going back to the original first season again and re-watching it and talking about the same episodes we've already talked about but you'd be able to talk about them in a different way because you would see things that you didn't see the first time around that all these little insignificant moments that have happened in these episodes that you kind of feel at the moment is probably inconsequential it's just kind of setting scene and so on some of some of that stuff actually has more importance than you realize at this stage it takes on new meanings as you come back to it on a second watch Mm. not all of it not all of it but some of it well then what we'll have to do once we've finished this damn show no when we've uh, finished this show we'll have to do like like a series recap that is just full of spoilers and everything i'd say so because i, I there's stuff that's happening in these episodes that i'm re-watching now and i i know i want to tell you about them and go oh did you notice that connection there and this happening over here and what that meant for this and and i can't tell you any of those these things because it'll spoil it so i i, I look forward to the moment where everything clicks into place and You've seen all of the seasons and you can then go, oh, okay, you'll appreciate all of these episodes in a new way. Just to be clear with the whole no spoiler thing and how serious Andrew takes this show, when I was putting together the new uh, website, sydneychill.com slash sydneybinge, um, I said, Andrew, I need some graphics or I need some content pictures for it. I'm going to Google. And he's like, no, 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 you 
don't you Google anything. I said, if I Google dark uh, season one secrets images, is that dangerous? And it was, his reply was, yes, yes, exclamation mark. I will get it for you. So that's the level of how much Andrew doesn't want this show sport for me. And to be honest, I appreciate that because there'd be people out there who don't care and they just, you know, they would rather you just do all the work and they don't care if you see anything spoiled. But I'm so careful, especially now that we've got the podcast and it's out and like we're trying to find ways to promote it and find content. But trying to find content for a show that you don't want to be spoiled is difficult. So all the social media is now over to Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think you could just type the word dark. You'd see an image or a post you know, in the Google search results, you'd see something and it would spoil. It, there's, there's no no doubt about it. So yeah, just all off limits at the moment. Let me do all the uh, content gathering. So moving on. So we've we've got to the point where Mister Mister Dark. So you've got me calling him Mister Dark now. The stranger, as he is credited in the uh, the credits, is uh, staying at a hotel and he's clearly got some sort of mission, some sort of plan. He's laid out all of his notes and his maps and his diagrams uh, and his mazes, uh, references to Ariadne and the the labyrinth there as well. I guess Greek mythology. Um, and the book on time as well. So there's a lot going on in that room. I bet if you slowed it down and, and did a frame-by-frame frame look at everything that he had on his wall, I'm sure there'd be clues and hints in there as well. Clearly he's up to something. And and, he's, and then he obviously pulls out this, this machine of some sort of ancient-looking clock thing. I, I don't know. It's like a – I guess it's a clock, isn't it? It looks like a clock. It looks like one of those kind of 1800s-style – timepiece of some description it looks like a calendar or a clock or very very old and i think you'd say on like the antiques road show and they'd value it for like two pounds and the person who brought it in would be gutted uh and i think um going back to ulrich he's obviously on the case now he's trying to find out where his son is pops back to the police station to you know, look for a new lead, I guess. Bumps into Hannah, who's waiting for him now. He clearly looks like he is a man who's been caught out because he's looking around as if to double check that no one's watching them. Drags her into a room, which to me would just be far more suspicious than if he had just kind of spoken to her normally. She's obviously there to kind of find out what's going on, misses him, obviously the, the relationship from the first episode. But this time he's pushing back. He doesn't really want to know. Not surprising, really, given the circumstances. You know, his kid's missing. So he's, that sort of relationship is probably not high up on his agenda right now. But yeah, you, you get the feeling he's, I don't know, is should we be feeling sympathetic towards him? I guess we, we're supposed to because he's lost his child. But at the same time, we know he's a cheater. There's not many characters in this at the moment that I like, apart from the guy who's crying in his car, and we hardly know anything about him. But he seems to be the most uh, sort of empathetic character. And also uh, uh, Jonas, the young lad. Yeah, I think Jonas is probably the one who's the the victim so far in all of this, really. And I guess um, uh, Mikel as well, being the one who's been taken away as a, a child, you know. We, at least with Eric, he's got this flaw of being as you know involved in drugs whereas um Mikel is is just a young child and has disappeared so i guess he and Jonas i guess are the ones that you kind of look at and go yeah they're, they're the ones that we, where our sympathy should lie at the moment people who go missing 
are they selected for a reason or are they just unfortunate to go missing? I think they may be unfortunate to go missing. I think, as I said earlier, with uh, the possibility that there might be a family connection, a family curse around the Nilsons, given that first they lose Mads and then Mikkel disappearing mm-hmm. as well. Maybe there's a connection there. But the fact that Eric has gone as well suggests that it's more than that, that it is just you know, children being in the wrong place at the wrong time, perhaps. So these are not like Walt when he was special. Yeah, no, I don't think there's anything along those lines. And it's also not like, oh, we're we're out to get this particular child because they happen to be the son of the parents who who did something bad 33 years ago. You know, it's I don't think it's setting that up either, which is what my first suspicions were in the first episode before I it dawned on me that it was basically banging me over the head and saying, no, no, this show is about time. You know, this is this is what you need to be realising. So you thought like a revenge type thing for something that had happened in a previous like time or whatever? Yeah, it didn't, it wouldn't have surprised me if that was the case. You know, you've got all these old people walking around that were around in, in like 33 years ago in 1986, something, something happened back then. Uh, they're, they're clearly, it's a small town, you know, it's clearly something's happening again. And it, that was my first thought that it was, it was some sort of town curse or, uh, someone was seeking revenge on what happened back then. It was along those lines that I was kind of thinking thinking back then. But I think this episode kind of points you in the right direction, steers you in the right direction, says actually no. Uh, and in hindsight, having you know watched episode one again and seeing the quote at the very start where it talks about time and how it twists and so on, you kind of go, oh, all right, yeah. yeah. It's, the thing is, is that most shows start and you're not really paying attention right at the very start of a show, are you? You kind of, you get into it a little bit slowly and and by the time you're actually paying attention, anything that's happened in the first five seconds of the show, Lost, I guess the opening of Lost is an exception where it kind of starts with a bang really, doesn't it? Whereas you're like invested right from the first second. Um, but a show that setting the scene with some words on the screen, you kind of don't really pay much attention to it. At least I didn't. Um, and it wasn't until sort of rewatching it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they they were quite clear from the outset, Uh, whereas it took me until episode two to get to it. So Jonas has visited his uh, father's workroom, I guess, where he was painting, and uh, also, unfortunately, the place where he hanged himself, and while he's waiting in that room, lying down in that room, he spots a loose panel in the ceiling and discovers a map quite heavily annotated lots of comments on it uh i've no idea what the translations are but the the show does make a point on focusing on one specific line which is translated for us and it says where is the crossing it's a map of the uh the the cave network that's one thing that did get me intrigued because as you say the subtitle said where is the crossing and you have the kid and he's found all these like he's got all these maps and all this stuff laid out and also it kind of showed what his dad had been up to working on. It's not him who's made these diagrams. It's his dad. And it's like this whole map and it's mirrors what Mr. Dark is doing in the hotel. I think. Yeah. I'd say that there is a, there are similarities there between the two for the same thing. Yeah. They seem to be, uh, yeah, it does appear to be that that case, isn't it? That the, his father seems to be, interested in whatever kind of mystery is happening in the town and and now we have this stranger who also seems to be 
aware of the mystery in some way and is looking to try and investigate further. Uh, so we also see the the room again uh, where the children seem to end up. Eric appears to be harnessed in the chair and locked into place while a TV shows some sort of scientist talking about time again on the TV, which kind of reminded me of uh, Room 23 in Lost with the sort of being indoctrinated and uh, having their mind control. Also reminded me a little bit of uh, of A Clockwork Orange, but they didn't use like a death chair when that mm-hmm. chair did, and it looked like an electric chair yeah it did look like they were basically uh, about to put him to death that's for sure but why would they have some tv show before he gets killed yeah that does seem a bit odd doesn't it and we later see his uh what appears to be the body of of eric being dragged through a forest by a man in a hooded outfit i've got a theory about this okay so i think that the whole time travel thing, I think when they get zapped or whatever, I think they're being cloned and they can't, their clone can't exist. So the clone kind of gets destroyed type thing. So imagine it, the guy in the chair gets zapped, the fella in the chair, that body gets destroyed. And then the new one, his, he's absolutely fine. And I think the one that gets destroyed is the one that's being dragged out. That's just my theory. That's Conroy's theory. Mm, Conroy's theory. What else What else happens? We also have Ulrich visiting, having having shunned Hannah's advances in the police station, he does do some more digging, realises that Jürgen's, Jürgen Oberman's truck has similar kind of tyre prints and also had access to the power plant. So maybe he's involved. So he goes to pay him a visit starts searching around his uh, yard and discovers some sort of bag attached to a chain, starts to pull the chain out. And just as he's getting to the, getting the bag of whatever it is out of the, the hole up pops Jürgen pointing a shotgun at Ulrich. I thought it was a head. It did look like a head, didn't it? It definitely had the right shape for it. I thought, if this is a head, that's me checking out. I don't want to watch a series like a horror series. I mean, it, would have, it wouldn't have been a surprise, to be honest. The show is called Dark, and you do kind of feel that that's called Dark mm. for a reason. Is the caretaker's name Jürgen? Yes, the caretaker's name is Jürgen. He is Eric Oberman's father. Uh, and as it turns out, when he pulls the bag out, he discovers lots of drugs inside. And... We knew that Eric was involved in drugs because they mentioned it in the first episode that Eric had a stash of drugs down by the cave. That's why the, the, the children had all run down there. Um, but now we discover that Jürgen is involved in the uh, drug operation as well and that he's actually been helping Eric to supply and sell drugs on school grounds, which Ulrich, being a policeman, you would have thought would have been quite annoyed by that and wanted to take that further, but seemed to be... He was very open about it. We sell the drugs in schools and it just kind of goes over Ulrich's head like, okay, whatever. He's, he's not bothered. He's focused on finding his child. But I have another theory. It all is on Jürgen because we all know anyone called Jürgen is evil. I know a few people called Jürgen. Um, I, I will not verify whether they are evil or not. I think you know who I'm talking about. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. Hey, hey, hey. All right, carry on. No, that was his. That was his number one little fanboy. Yeah. Anyway, so Jurgen's a drug dealer. 
to the school kids and a police officer isn't bothered about that, which is very alarming, but not surprising. Yeah. I think it's not surprising. I think it also shows that Eric, uh, that Ulrich shouldn't be doing the job right now. He's, um, I guess they're, they're limited in their resources being a small town, but you would have thought that uh, a father who has lost his child is not the right person to be investigating their own child's disappearance. I think personal uh, feelings will be running high, emotions will be running high and may not be thinking as straight as he needs to be in that role. But yet they all seem quite happy with this man running around town trying to investigate his son's disappearance, which is leading them into trouble. You know, he's, he's obviously chased up Jürgen without any real evidence and put himself in danger there. He's then been trying to get into the power plant and is disappointed when the search warrant is refused. So he's shouting at the uh, Alexander Tiedem and asking him to let him in so he can look around and Alexander isn't willing to do that. We understand why he's in the situation that he's in, uh, but you've got to be questioning why they're allowing him to continue in that role, really. You could say there, w- there wouldn't be anyone better to try and find the son. Like, you know, he's motivated because it's his son. Yeah. But he'll do anything and it mightn't be the correct way to conduct the uh, the investigation as you oh, said totally. it could it, he could end up making things worse you know with someone how far will he go that will he go too far in trying to investigate uh mm. you know will he will he end up seeking justice and finding uh making a mistake you know blaming somebody and then later regretting it because he's blamed somebody who happens to be innocent you just don't know where this is going to lead this is why in ordinary circumstances you wouldn't have somebody like that running the case given that he is personally attached to it yeah, so moving on from that investigation, then... We're getting close to the end now. I think we've covered a lot of what happened in this episode, and I think at this point, it's kind of, as I said before, it's kind of procedural. It's police investigation, who's done it, and we then get to a point where, well, actually, it's not not really a who done it. Uh, we've got a headline that, that the stranger has on a newspaper report where it says, where is, where is Mikkel? And he crosses out the word where and writes when as in when is Mikel and again this is kind of talking about obviously clearly the question is time as opposed to location but I also found it interesting that that kind of tied back to the first episode where Mikel was doing a magic trick at the breakfast table and I guess we soon find out because from there you have the scene where the there's a noise coming from the cave we start seeing lights in the town flickering Charlotte comes out of the police station to find a pile of dead birds on the floor. Um, and yeah, so while this is all going on, uh, we see Mikhail come out of the cave. This is the part where the episode got me more than intrigued. It got me sort of invested. De- definitely, definitely. This is this is where it all really kicks off, I think, at this point. Because he walks out and you're like, oh, there he is. He's uh, let, me, let me just phone up the German police. Like, hey, ich bin whatever uh i don't speak german i failed it in school but they, i can remember one thing they taught me in german because this is the they made us repeat this like for a whole hour and that is ich bin 13 jahre alt you know what that means no i am 13 years of age and i'll never forget that that's all i know in german anyway so they don't phone up the german police and you, you know like you, you'd have thought oh there he is he's been found and then he, he walks out this cave looks a bit roughed up like he's had a bit of a fight with whoever 
or looks like he's fallen down like a hill and got scratched up or, or whatever. He's not physically like damaged, but he's he's bruised and scratched and looks like he's been, you know, he's been through it. Oh, well, I expect walking through a cave in the dark would do that. You know, you're not going to be able to do that without banging your head a few times and and scratching yourself on sharp, pointy corners of rocks and so on. So I expect he has suffered a little bit trying to get through those caves. I could walk out a cave looking pristine. you just got to be careful where you step. Then is walking down the street and you see old-looking cars. Like, this is weird. And then he goes to this house, which is his house. And you think he's, his parents are going to be so happy when they see him. Mm. And he, he tries to open the door and it doesn't open. And then he's greeted by young Ulrich. And we're like, what the hell? And Mikhail looks a bit startled, but not surprised. But he just looks like he doesn't freak out. I would freak out. And, yeah, um, I think he, I mean, he doesn't immediately know that, that, that this is his his father that he's talking to because uh i don't think he actually mentions his own name he just says you know this is my house i live here it's only when the other young lady turns up and and calls him by name that he kind of puts two and two together yeah and he still doesn't freak out but then you know so obviously he's in 1986 now and he looks at a paper sees where he is and i think that's where the episode ends and i'm like (laughs) ah So, yes, we do appear to now be in 1986 at this point. So, overall, I I enjoyed this episode's way of building up the questions. What I didn't enjoy was that it didn't answer literally, like, it didn't give you any payoff, apart from the end when Mikkel walks out the cave and he's in 1986, which also reminded me of, do you remember the movie Flight of the Navigator? Yeah. And the kid falls down a hill, and the next thing, when like he walks back up the hill, he's like in twenty years' time or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. That definitely have remade it. Yeah, they should remake that. Actually, it would be a good yeah, good film to remake. Very similar to this. Yeah, yeah. Minus the flying ship and no robot, <laughs> and the little furry creature thing that they have in on the ship. You know, actually, I've never seen it till the end. I always fall asleep at the same part in that film every single time. It's a classic. You need to watch it. Make that yeah. fi- make that something that we need to watch on uh, on our Cine Critters show. Shout out, Cine Critters coming soon. Yeah. So, what was your overall take on this when you first watched it? Obviously, I can now appreciate it with different fresh eyes because I've seen it more than once. But at the time, I was in the same boat as you, looking at. There's a there's what three new characters that they introduced to this episode. There's the relationship of Alexander Tiedemann. You finally realise that he is Bartos's dad, which isn't made clear in the first episode. Um, whereas in this episode, it's it's it, they show a photo of him with with uh, Regina Tiedemann and Bartos. So you, that connection's made. There's there's lots of little little things. I mean, this episode is full of little sequences that. As we said in the first episode, the first um, podcast episode, the this show is one of those shows where if you're not paying attention, you will miss things. And it's because of this reason. There's no long set piece sequences where you have time to kind of look up, look away, look again at what's going on, and then you can pick up the thread. It's If you're not looking, you'll probably miss an entire scene. And it may not necessarily feel like it's relevant right now. It's quite a quiet, slow-moving show. But I think later on you'll probably 
benefit from having seen those scenes and you will go, okay, that kind of means something a bit more on it. Which is another reason why to watch it dubbed, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've watched, I've watched it both ways. I've seen the dubbed version, and I'm, I've also seen the, uh, the original audio version, and I still prefer the original audio. And yes, there's, there, there are some questions that we've kind of skipped over here that happened in this show, but we can mention them. We can kind of just reference them now. So, for example, you've got to kind of wonder why Marta's not returning Bartles' calls right now. He's, she seems to be ignoring his calls. Uh, there's a question around uh, Walla, the detective in the police station who has uh, an eye patch. I do wonder if there's something significant about that right now. We just don't know. I think I know. I think, isn't he just like a, a Gabrielle tribute act? <laughs> he could be, but anyone with an eye patch is usually a villain in some show or another. So you, you immediately, I think they've just done that deliberately, haven't they? Throw an eye patch on him. Otherwise, he'd just, he'd just look, look, look like a normal, insignificant character. But now we suspect that he's involved in some way. Yeah. Are there any other, any other questions in, in this one that, I've, uh, that we haven't spoke about? The, the, the show has raised a lot of questions anyway, which we've covered in this show. I mean, what was your overall take on the show in terms of of the way it was shot, the uh, cinematography, the soundtrack? Because I, the one thing I like about this show that, that hooked me is the soundtrack. I absolutely love the soundtrack across all of the episodes. At the moment, it's not jumped out at me, I'll be honest, but I think that will change as I, the more I watch it. There'll be songs I go, oh, I like that song. Like, I remember when I first watched the, uh, 13 reasons why I didn't particularly like the music but by the end of that show I don't think that playlist like left my car so it might be the same for this we'll, uh, we'll see I like the opening credit music I love the music that we've uh, <clears throat> might have used in the intro to our podcast because it's just it does set the tone and I really like how the end credits music has such a big impact and like it's intense, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like when it ends, it's like, oh my god! It's like it's it makes you it makes you feel anxious. You know, it's like got the techno drum, and then slowly that little melody comes in. So yeah, I like that. Um, I'm looking forward to hear more. There's usually one sequence that I like in most of these episodes. They always seem to have this sequence where it's a bit of a montage, and it's usually accompanied by some music, and it's usually that music that I listen out for because that's the the, the bit that i find myself listening to on repeat on spotify afterwards it's it always seems to have the right choice to go with the the montage sequences that they put together yeah and i noticed on this one the song was um it it tied the visuals into what was being sung and there was a lyric in it that was being about something being washed away on it the whole sequence was it was raining the whole time like i think the whole of this episode it was raining it reminded me of david fincher's seven when it's just constantly raining um so yeah and the other thing i really enjoyed in this episode i love the drone and aerial shots they were just so uh cinematic and i've seen lots of them you know i've filmed lots of them but these just looked really airy and stylistic and there was something interesting about them. Um, in fact, the whole show looks great. The whole show is shot really well. It looks expensive. I've heard whispers about there being an American remake, but usually when there's a remake, it's because it, it needs to be remade. It needs a bit more budget. But this, the only thing 
and it's you'll you'll probably grumble. It's the whole language barrier. I think a lot of people who would like this show won't watch it because it's got subtitles. Same as um, the film Parasite. That's one of my all-time favorite films of recent time. And I tell people to watch it, and they just go, "Oh, it's got it's got subtitles, hasn't it?" So that's something people do need to get over. <laughs> Having said that, I'm watching it dubbed. For me, it'll be the best way to watch it because I don't want to miss anything on the screen. And I know when I was reading it, I was missing stuff and I was having to rewind it. The other, the other thing that I, uh, talking of the cinematography, you're right, the, the shots, the aerial shots are uh, quite stunning. Uh, but the, I think it certainly helps that we're in a, an area, I guess, of Germany that looks quite picturesque. Everything from the architecture of the buildings, of the houses that they live in, to mm. the obviously the forest setting, uh, and even the sort of the power plant itself looks quite uh, quite stylish to look at, really. So I can see, I can certainly see the appeal there. And I also think some of the shots that they've taken uh, add to that as well. So, for example, the shot of the hotel when uh, the, the stranger walks in, and everything kind of looks quite symmetrical. Uh, and obviously, if you've seen the Grand Budapest Hotel, where Anderson is quite. Um, fond of that technique of, of framing his shots in that way so there's a lot going on in this show in terms of i think every i think what what's clear here i think there's everything that they do from the the, the, the song selection the lyrics the shots that they take the um the the moments where nothing's being said but there's just stuff happening in the scene makes you it's obviously there for a reason but then that to, it adds to the complexity because you start to see questions where there aren't meant to be questions mm. i mean if you start to see uh, every because you kind of feel that everything is there for a reason it means that every little thing that happens you're second guessing and wondering whether that's there for the re- a reason is that something that we should be paying attention to and there we have it so that was episode two of dark and as we said from the get-go not the most accessible episode but i got through it I sort of enjoyed it. I'm very confused, but I'm looking forward to see where this goes. If you did enjoy this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us and feel free to get in touch. Give us your feedback. Have we missed anything? Other things that you've seen that we haven't seen? And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on this episode of dark and i can promise you that episode three is going to be a lot more entertaining and interesting is that a, an actual promise that is a definite promise may not be enough to hook you in but it's certainly going to be one that makes you sit up and go okay yeah i'm, I'm slowly getting in there i'm enjoying it <laughs>